Hollywood is waging war against Christianity, and we're going to talk about that today on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello and welcome once again, everybody, to BibleStudyPodcast.org. I am your host, Toby Logsdon. Today is Wednesday, November the 7th. And of course, on Wednesdays, we talk about cultural issues and apologetics. And today we're actually going to be, you know, talking about a little bit of both. I wanted to do something different with you guys, something that we haven't really done before. You know, there are a couple movies that have that have come out or that Hollywood's produced recently that I, I really feel like we need to address and um you know so so that's what we're going to be doing today we're going to be talking about some of the things that that Hollywood is doing and of course you know Hollywood could be a, a great ally you know to to get the message of Christianity out and with movies like The Passion and uh you know Narnia coming out last year with movies like that you know Hollywood has demonstrated that that there is potential for Hollywood to be a great means of communicating the gospel to the masses. But there are kind of two sects within uh, within Hollywood, and they're kind of at war with each other. There's the part of Hollywood that wants to appeal to Christians, and then there is a part of Hollywood that doesn't care about what Christians think and really wants to, to wage war against Christianity. And so there are two movies today that we're going to be talking about. And the reason I'm bringing up this first one, it's called Z-Gaste. I'm sure that a lot of you guys have heard of it because I've received a lot of emails from you guys about this movie asking me about it because it, you know, apparently just makes so many people feel so confused about, wow, you know, is this true? And, and you know, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, it, it's sort of like The Da Vinci Code which is, you know, a movie that was released last year, and that movie confused a lot of people. Well, this one does the same thing, and, and it actually uses a lot of the same methods that the Da Vinci Code used in order to, you know, um, undermine Christianity. There's no other word for it. It's trying to undermine Christianity. And that's the part of Hollywood that is one of our worst enemies. And, you know, we need to do something about it, because if we don't stop it now, it's going to get worse. But I want to educate you guys first on this movie called Z-Gaste. And this is a movie, like I said, you know, it, it uses a lot of the same methods that the Da Vinci Code used to undermine Christianity. And so I'm going to bring up some of the points that they bring up in the movie, and we're going to address those issues. And I'll show you why, you know, movies like Z-Gaste can't be taken seriously and why, you know, they are, uh, they have no credibility. So the, the first thing that this movie says uh, that, I, that I want to address is that Jesus was born on uh, the day of uh, winter solstice, which, of course, is a pagan holiday. And, ooh, what a coincidence that they were born on. And, ooh, what a coincidence that Jesus was born on this pagan holiday. Well, one thing that uh, that that is... Well, one thing that is just absolutely clear is that uh, to believe this, 
you pretty much have to be oblivious to the facts because very, very few people actually believe that Jesus was born on December 25th or that he was even born in December or that he was even born in winter. In fact, you know, based on the evidence presented by the narratives of the gospel, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it seems more than likely, it seems much, much more likely that Jesus was born actually in the spring. First of all, you have to consider that there were shepherds mentioned in the narratives who were out tending their flocks. And, you know, if they had been out in the winter, if they had been out at night during the winter, there is a pretty good chance that they would have frozen to death because of the cold. It's just, it's pretty cold there in the middle of the winter. The other thing that indicates that Jesus was born in the spring is the fact that Mary and Joseph were traveling, and uh, this was likely for Passover, and so on. You know, there, there are a lot of things which indicate that it was in the springtime. There are very, very, very few people who actually believe that Jesus was born on December 25th. We know that Christians actually started celebrating Jesus' birthday on winter solstice or, or, you know, in the winter only in the third century. And they did that because they had formerly celebrated this winter solstice, this pagan holiday. And what they did is they simply changed the meaning of the holiday in order to Christianize it. Uh, that is to give it special significance for Christians, something for Christians to celebrate as well. So to uh, f- so for this movie to assert that Jesus was born on winter solstice is not only, you know, not only is that fact debatable, but it's extremely unlikely. But this movie, Zegeist, presents it as if it's an intellectually recognized fact that Jesus was born on winter solstice. And this is only one of several lies that this movie passes off as a fact. And that's dangerous. Anytime a movie pretends to be this documentary where they're they're passing on these facts, which are actually lies, I mean, we could take what I what I just told you right there, and that alone should tell you that this movie is just a bunch of baloney, and we should completely stay away from it, and we shouldn't even consider it. But the fact is, there are other people who are going to see this movie, and they're saying, oh, well, I'm glad I never became a Christian, because look at this. And so we have to have answers for those people. So one thing that we want to answer is, is the story of Jesus' death and resurrection stolen from Greek or Egyptian mythology? Well, you know, academically speaking, again, this movie just demonstrates itself to be just a, a complete intellectual outhouse, if, if you'll if you'll accept that term, uh, by proposing theories that were that were you know refuted and squelched about a hundred years ago with the rise of archaeology. So what this movie really does is it takes advantage of the person who doesn't have uh, an education about history or an awareness of of the history of mythology by advocating theories that were disproved a long time ago. So, you know, this movie proposes that the story of Christ was borrowed or stolen from the ancient mythological tale of the Roman god named Attis, or that Christianity was somehow a copy or, or it was derived from uh, ancient Mithraism, and we're going to talk about that as well. Well, there's only one mythological account of a god surviving a death that predates Christianity. And this is something that archaeology has demonstrated, and that is the story of Osiris. That's Egyptian mythology. According to the myth of the Egyptian legend Osiris, he was the god of the land of the dead. Now, during his life, because he was a great pharaoh, you know, he was loved by the the people across the land. He was loved by his wife. And because he was loved by so many people, his brother Set 
was jealous of him, and Set was the god of the underworld and wasn't liked nearly as well as Osiris was. So Set's jealousy drives him to cut Osiris into 12 pieces to scatter his remains along the shores of the Nile River in Egypt and allow the crocodiles to wipe him completely out of existence altogether. So uh, Osiris's wife hears about this and what she does, uh, her name is Isis, what she does is she finds and gathers the pieces of his body, wrapping them up together in this linen cloth, this, this sheet, and she makes Osiris the first, uh, the first mummy in Egypt. So after she wraps him up, Isis goes to Anubis, who is the ancient jackal-headed god of the dead, and asks Anubis to bring Osiris back to life. Now, Anubis can only honor her request to an extent. He can't bring uh, Osiris back as a human being, so instead it's at this point that Osiris becomes the god of the dead. So obviously, you know, this isn't similar at all to what Christianity tells us about the life and the resurrection of Jesus. Osiris didn't come back as a human. He wasn't resurrected. He becomes the god of the dead. And this is the only mythological tale which predates Christianity. But archaeology has demonstrated that the resurrection element of the mythological tale of Addis, which is one one tale that, that Zegast brings up, um, that this, this tale of Addis it originated around approximately 150 AD, which is over 100 years after Christianity had already been established. And in the, in the original story, in the original story, which may have uh, predated Christianity, Addis castrates himself, flees into a forest, and he bleeds to death. He's not resurrected. His lover, Cybele, who is the great mother goddess, gets possession of his body in order that it will be preserved, that his body will be preserved, and so that his hair will continue to grow, because he's got this long, beautiful hair, and his little finger will still be able to move. Uh, you know, so there is no resurrection element in the original mythological tale of Addis. But around 150 AD, the resurrection element started being added into the mythological story. So who's borrowing from whom here? You know, if a person takes their information from movies like Zegeist, they'll think that Christianity borrowed from, from Greek or Roman mythology, naturally. You know, because this movie is passing a lie off as fact. But if a person bases their information on historical evidence, the only conclusion that a person can come to is that the story of Addis you know, when when the resurrection element was added, that part was actually stolen from the story of Jesus. Now, we got to talk about Mithraism too, because that's another thing that the that this movie brings up. Um, the history of of Mithraism is the same. It came into its own only after Christianity had already been established. Further, you know, as as we've seen in our study of the Book of Romans, Paul wasn't borrowing his theology from anywhere. As, uh, as this movie insinuates. But, you know, his theology, Paul's theology, was, was the same as that of the Old Testament. But it was, it was Jesus, and it was Jesus' death and resurrection, which allowed Paul to understand the Old Testament prophecies and writings through what we would refer to as, you know, New Testament lenses. So, as I pointed out this past, um, this past lesson, on Romans, you know, what we're doing in our book of Romans, we are actually studying the Old Testament through New Testament lenses. And that's because that's what Paul was teaching. He wasn't borrowing from anybody. He was only uh, using Old Testament theology. And further, you know, Paul taught the doctrine of the Trinity, which isn't found in any other ancient pagan religion. 
the pagan religions of his time and and even today were polytheistic and pantheistic but there is no other religion in the world and there never has been which has ever asserted that there was one god consisting of three persons there's never been another religion in the history of the world which had this doctrine of the trinity the way that christianity does according to author ronald nash who wrote a book called christianity and the hellenistic world which is something that you might want to look at if you really want to refute this whole notion that that christianity was derived from the story of Attis and mithraism but according to uh, to nash he says quote mithraism had no concept of the death and resurrection of its god and no place for any concept of rebirth at least during its early stages unquote and again you know the, the mythology of mithraism doesn't even come up until after christianity had been established so again who is borrowing or stealing from whom here you know again here's another thing that um here's another lie that this movie zegeist is passing off as being true now the movie also asserts that jesus never even existed uh, now if you ask me that that theory is just absolutely ridiculous and again it just appeals to the ignorance of the moviegoer anyone who has actually looked at the facts knows that this isn't even a valid objection you know that you can't even say that jesus never existed because the bible isn't the only place that we find historical references to jesus or or to the life of Jesus. There are at least 39 non-biblical sources that document the fact that Jesus was a real person, including the Jewish Talmud, which was written by the same people that the Bible tells us handed Jesus over to be crucified. You know, why would the enemies of Jesus make him up? Why would they make up this person that they were opposed to? What they would do is say, this Jesus guy never existed. If they were going to say anything, if they were going to lie at all, that's what they would do. They'd say Jesus never existed. You know, we also find in the writings of the Roman historian Josephus Flavius, uh, you know, more writings about Jesus. And we find the same stuff in the writings of people like Pliny the Younger and Suetonius, who were ancient uh, historians or historical figures who wrote about Jesus. I mean, there are 39 extra biblical sources you know there's just insurmountable evidence for the existence and the life of jesus as being legitimate and to deny that jesus even existed is just it's ignorance it really is it's just ignorance anyone who denies this reality is simply ignoring the evidence so that they don't have to face the facts the bottom line is that every attempt that this movie zegeist makes to to undermine the authority or the authenticity or the credibility of christianity is it's all based on lies and false information one doesn't have to even be a christian to recognize these things as lies because we have historically verifiable evidence to support christianity when your friends bring stuff like this up, ask them if they're willing to look at the real evidence, the real information. And after you've presented them with the real information, point out that, you know, they had enough faith in those lies that they believed. Now, how about if they put their faith in some real evidence? You know, simple question. You know, this is a great window for you to give them the gospel. If they want to take evidence into consideration, well, they, they had believed all this supposed evidence before, are they willing to take the evidence into consideration now? So hopefully, you know, that gives you some ammunition for, for fighting back against some of the some of the ideas put forth by this movie, Z Geist, or any other movie that comes out that tries to undermine 
Christianity in in the same way that um, you know the Da Vinci Code and 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 this this Z-Gaist movie have tried to. But there's one other movie that I want to talk to you about today, and it's a movie that that hasn't even been released yet. Z-Gaist has been released, and a lot of people have already seen it, and that's why you guys are are emailing me and, and asking me about. But there's another movie that I want you to be on the lookout for, and it's a movie that's coming out this Christmas season. It's called The Golden Compass, and it's starring Nicole Kidman. You know, I recently took my kids to see a movie. I think uh, it was Underdog when we took them to see Underdog, and they showed a preview for this movie called The Golden Compass, and it looked kind of similar to um, in, in style to the Narnia movie, and I thought, you know, it would be possible to take the kids to see this movie uh, over the Christmas season as well. But, uh, boy, was, was I fooled by the preview. You know, I recently found out what this, what this movie is really about. The movie is actually based on a book called Northern Lights, which is the first book in a trilogy of children's books called His Dark Materials, written by an author named Philip Pullman from, uh, from England, who is a self-professed atheist, and as evidenced by his books, and, and as you're going to see here in just a minute, he's also a major, major God-hater. And I don't understand how somebody can claim to be an atheist atheist and also hate God, because by hating God, you're acknowledging his existence. But um, but anyway, you know, this trilogy is about killing the idea of God in the minds of children. In the books, what happens is, you know, there, there are these children who essentially wage war against a God. Well, what's the God's name? This God's name, get this, this God's name is Yahweh. And funny that his name is Yahweh and not Allah or, or Krishna or anything like that. You know, isn't that funny? No, that's definitely no coincidence. And, and this fact alone demonstrates that this story is geared toward turning children against God. And that alone should tell you, stay away from these movies. You know, one of the, one of the pagan characters in the books says, Every church is the same. Control, destroy, obliterate every good feeling. You know, and in, in the end of the story, what happens is these children succeed in killing Yahweh, and they're they're set free from him. You know, Pullman, uh, the author, doesn't pull any punches about what this trilogy is supposed to represent. He he was uh, interviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald in 2003, and in this interview, he explicitly stated, "My books are about killing God." You can quote that. You know, parents, this is not the type of thing that you want your children being exposed to. So avoid this movie at all costs. And be sure that you educate your children because their friends are going to be going to see this movie. And their friends are going to be, uh, you know, encouraging your children to read these books. And I realize that this is all information that's been circulated and forwarded to thousands of people throughout email. But I want to confirm for you or to make you aware, if you weren't already, that this is not fictitious. This email is not misleading. It is, it's true. In fact, it is completely accurate. And if you want more information about this movie, there is a pamphlet being published called The Golden Compass Unmasked. And it's being published by an organization called the Catholic League. And one thing that this pamphlet makes clear is that the purpose of watering down the movie in order to make it less offensive, uh, you know, it, it chose the first book of the trilogy, which is supposed to be the least offensive toward Christianity. But the reason that they even watered this movie down even more is a means of promoting the books, which are much more blatantly anti-Christian. So parents, be aware of this. Be watching out for your kids, uh, you know, going to this movie or reading 
these books by Philip Pullman. Most importantly, just do not take your kids to see this movie. In fact, you know, if, if you want to take this seriously, I would say that if you want to make a statement to Hollywood, then talk to your pastor, talk to your church, talk to other churches in your area, and boycott any movie theater that's going to be showing this movie, The Golden Compass. Don't just boycott the movie. Boycott the whole theater. Hollywood is waging war on us and waging war on our faith. And the best thing that we can do is, you know, the first thing we can do is, is to be educated and to educate others. But for the movie-making, you know, billion-dollar corporations, you know, if you want to make a statement to them, nothing speaks louder than the dollar. Another thing you can do, you know, you have the right uh, to educate people who will be going to see this movie. And you can order these pamphlets from the Catholic League and hand them out to people outside of the movie theater. One of our guaranteed constitutional rights is the right to peaceful assembly. So as long as you're peacefully assembled and not wreaking havoc at the movie theater, not getting in people's way or anything like that, you have the right to peaceful assembly and you have the right to free speech. And part of your right to free speech can include distribution of literature. So, you know, maybe it's time for us to take a stand against Hollywood because this is honestly getting ridiculous. Some of these movies are just so blatantly anti-Christian. And it's because, you know, movies like The Passion and uh, Narnia were just hugely successful. And for the person who hates God, they, this is what they do in response. This is their reaction to the success of those movies. I just want to make you guys aware of these two movies and to hopefully educate you guys a little bit. Of course, you can get more education on this stuff. There's plenty of stuff on the internet. There's plenty of stuff you know, uh, available through various uh, ministries. But knowledge really is one of our best weapons. And if we are aware of the issues and we know how to confront them, they will start taking us seriously. So just my opinion. But, you know, I know this podcast was a little bit different. I hope that this has been something that you've enjoyed, that it's been a blessing to you, and that it's been educational for you. You know, I hate to think of, of people being brainwashed by Hollywood. That's that's what it comes down to, and that's why I did this lesson. But I wanted to propose something to you guys real quick. What do you guys think of going through a study on how to interpret the Bible, how to do hermeneutics? Uh, you know, if if you guys are interested in something like that, you know, drop me an email, or what you can do is go to scriptureforums.org and register over at scriptureforums, and in the in the podcasting section, which is about halfway down the page, just make a note, you know, for me that um, that you want to do this study, and, you know, maybe if we can get enough people interested in doing this, what we can do is, is kind of go through a study on how to interpret the Bible or how to read the Bible. So, um, just an idea, if that's something that you guys are interested in. We can start doing that on Wednesdays, if you guys are interested. So, we'll just see what, what you guys want to do. But, God bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget tomorrow to tune in to Galatians, and Friday, tune in to Justin's study on the Gospel of John. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening today. Keep growing closer to Jesus.